my lovelies, how are we doing? I am a-okay. Hope you're doing very well too. Thank you for taking your time to come here and listen to the Mindfulness Broadcast. My name is Anastasia, if you didn't know, and I'll be here with you today for the next 20 or 30 minutes. Just wanted to take a minute to say that I'm doing lots of research and reading several topics to share with you all the useful information that I can find and in hopes that it's going to help someone or each of you. And I also have my friend Annie that works on the quality of the audio, makes sure the material is ready to be published and she gives me super valuable feedback. want to say really, really, really big thank you, Aneta. You're the best. I miss you so much. Anyway, <laughs> appreciation moment and thank you again, guys. This is amazing. Absolutely loving it and coming up with more and more content. So let's go for it. Today, I want to talk about the topic of emotional addiction. It is super unusual. I don't see people talk about it a lot, but I've heard of it in the two podcasts and it made me think a couple of things. And then I started my research and, you know, read a couple of books and I was like, oh my God, this is unbelievable. So deep. So yeah, let's go for it. Um, not long ago, I stumbled upon this term overall, and in the same way as people get addicted to drugs, get used to coffee, sweet stuff, sugar overall, we often get used or addicted to emotions and feelings. And emotional addiction is still very much different because we're living the emotional experience so much more often and so closely that most of the time we're not even aware of it. Emotional addiction is basically a state where the person is dependent on their emotions. Sounds simple. But in this case, the person depends on the chemicals produced by the brain when particular emotions are triggered. And these emotions are better known as hit emotions. I'm going to refer refer to them like hit emotions later on. We are all in some way addicted to feeling in a certain way. And when we're looking for familiar emotion that makes us feel safe or good or comfortable, essentially we're looking for a sense of familiarity. To give you some examples, it can be, let's say, series of typical behaviors like constant venting or the need to relieve negative experiences. Let me ask you a couple of questions and then just answer for yourself, right? And that will help you to determine if you have some emotional addiction here or there. Have you ever had a situation like something happened to you and you have this need to relieve to relieve it, you need you need to tell more than one person about the situation, discuss it in details over and over again with several people. I do that. That's if something happens that is quite upsetting or even makes me happy, you know, I'll tell about it from I'd say three to ten people all the time. It's pretty much the same people. Sometimes if there is some other people that are interested in the same sort of conversation or topic, I'll be like, oh yes, let me tell you this. And then boom. But I do have this strong urge to talk about certain situations over and over again. That's my case. Question number two. Do you like watching certain movies that might trigger that hit emotion? Let's say fear or this uneasiness or a little bit of paranoia. Question number three. Are you in relationships that bring up certain emotions over and over again and they don't make you happy? Specifically negative emotions any kind of emotions. Question number four, are you reading for tons of comments online 
some drama under posts, Facebook threads following who said who and when was the reply and, you know, all the stories, all this huge drama online. If you said yes to one of those questions, then you might want to bring more emotional consciousness into your life. Emotional addiction comes from childhood trauma mainly, as usually it is the sign of unmet emotional needs. So we subconsciously choose those hit emotions to cope with any situation. Some of them are anger, rejection, helplessness, fear, sadness, abandonment, etc. But let me give you a bit of biomechanic information here. So when we experience powerful emotions, the brain releases neurotransmitters. The body responds by releasing hormones like adrenaline and cortisol, which lead to nervous system entering to a fight or a flight response. And if you had any trauma in your life, then you probably got used to certain emotions, even if they are negative. And by feeling these emotions over and over again, we'll feel like ourselves because it's something we're used to, it's familiar. And I know I've heard a lot of people saying, no, 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 my childhood was absolutely perfect, I had no trauma, everything's absolutely, absolutely fine. And I'm not here to prove you wrong, I'm not here to tell you that your childhood was bad, or your parents done something wrong. But unfortunately, it is a fact that no one can raise children with no trauma. There's something that traumatizes us on any level of our life. And it doesn't have to be it doesn't have to be parents. It could be something in school, could be something your neighbor said, could be some person on the street was just passing by and gave you a look. And in a way that look made you feel uncertain or unconfident or uncomfortable. That also can, you know, cause a slight trauma. So there are so many levels to it. And I think now people are also a little bit fed up with this with this word on its own because it's everywhere. It's coming from every kettle. <laughs> yeah, if we use just this analogy. And it's just, I think people just try to st- start trying to deny it. Um, as much as the opposite, some people are digging into it too much and trying to find trauma everywhere. However, if you do want to work on your emotional intelligence, on your emotional consciousness, on anything, anything that works with triggers and reactions in your daily life, you need to look at these things and just try to understand, okay, so where certain emotions and reactions come from. Body and mind work together, as we spoke in a couple of previous episodes. And same with chemical drug addiction, the body and mind will seek the powerful emotions to trigger those chemicals to be produced in your body. So you might feel numb, slightly anxious or apathetic. And then we find situations where we can feel our hit emotion that body becomes addicted to. And then you might find yourself reading news that overwhelm you, watching documentaries that make you feel uneasy or even scared, scrolling social media posts that make you feel, you know, shitty about yourself. Let's Let's be transparent with that. It happens in relationships too. When we start these push-pull cycles of bring back some emotions of abandonment. Retelling the stories is a powerful one. I just, I'll just show you on my example. So yeah, everyone I know, pretty much everyone I know does it. I mean, there is a certain level of, hey, I'm shocked and let me tell you the story. Or sharing to get an opinion or ask for advice or, you know, just get that thrill of positive emotions even. And telling the story to experience that hit emotion it's something that I've noticed. And I think bringing consciousness to that is an amazing thing. We tell stories and our body and mind actually experience them all over again. And I and I felt that a couple of times. 
when even the situations that happened years ago, if I retell them again, and even not for the sake of triggering that hit emotion, but during a casual chat, I could feel the body reaction. I find it fascinating. Each time I bring consciousness to these kind of things, I just understand more and more how clever our body is and how protective it is and that's why some people don't want to talk about certain things because not only makes you feel shitty emotionally and let's say especially if people are not ready to talk about certain things it also might bring them down physically and make them feel bad physically there are a couple of studies that i've recently read i'll make a separate podcast about that later on about the thoughts and about living in the past, in the negative past, when people just cannot seem to find a way out of the loop of this victimized mindset of the life is bad, everything's bad, everyone's everyone's the reason my life is bad, and then, oh, this happened, that happened, and they just keep relieving and reliving and reliving those situations again, and that just, all it does, it makes them physically ill. Not talking about even emotional state. It's absolutely obvious that nothing good is coming from that. But living like this makes people sick. Unfortunately, I think there's still a lot of people who don't quite understand that. And when you talk to them about something like emotional intelligence or consciousness in terms of how you see and control your emotions, how you live your emotions, a lot of people don't actually understand that. But emotional addiction keep us stuck because we are unconscious to these emotional cycles, we repeat them. That's what keeps us stuck. Conscious awareness is very important. And the more conscious we are, the more we can begin to commit to creating new patterns, new responses, new reactions, and breaking that emotional addiction patterns and cycles. Emotional consciousness bring you to the control of now. And if you can control your now, you can, in fact, control your future. Not control, in the controlling control way, if that makes sense. But you can guarantee better future from there on. If you are in the driven state of life, there's a constant tension. Nowadays, if we're on a bus, if we're in someone's car, in a taxi, probably we're just on our phones or reading a book, we're distracted. So as long as the car doesn't swirl from left to right and doesn't jump up and down, we don't actually notice who's driving the car, how they're driving it, you feel kind of safe. But if you put your phone away, if you put your book away, you might start getting a little bit nervous. Oh, this driver doesn't brake here really slowly or oh there's a person crossing the road and you feel you might feel this little tension because you are not in control so you may experience a stress even if it's a tiny bit of stress but if you are behind a wheel in control there's either no stress or you can deal with it because you are in the position to make a decision don't get me wrong some people are fine with being driven in some ways ignorance is a bliss as well as knowledge gives you power, and that's okay. It's each person's choice, and we are in no right to judge anyone, but if you're noticing these emotional addictive patterns that don't make you particularly happy, they intervene with your life, and you would like to make a change, there are a few things you can do. First of all, identify your hit emotion. It can be one emotion, or a few of them. For me, it's a thrill of panic. When I feel stress, panic, maybe a bit scared as well, I act. I run and I get shit done. That what that's what 
my household was like. You had to be engaged at all times and ready to run and do whatever is asked in the perfect way and be the best. Like an animal in a field, you know, constantly looking around, making sure you're safe because it's an open field, nowhere to hide. If you relax and you get your guard down, you might get in trouble, you might die, someone might attack you. So that was my way of living. So whenever I feel this way, I feel like, yes, I'm ready. I need this little shock and adrenaline and then I start doing things. The next step would be to identify triggers and patterns. So you can journal it or talk to someone about it, make a voice note to yourself, meditate, let's say, pick the situation to pieces and see what caused you to feel the emotion and how you reacted or how you normally tend to react. I think in a way it's very similar to cognitive behavioral therapy as we spoke before about it. So by keeping these journals, you may notice certain patterns and that will help you to change the reactions, basically. And that will help you to identify why this emotion come up. Is that emotion that comes up all the time? Is that emotion that you're seeking after or during certain situations? So that's very interesting to see. Also, you may notice if there are any people that trigger the emotion, see? Some, the words they say, the the actions, the situations you seek. And the hardest one that I find is to rewire the brain's reward system. It's like, let's say, you know, you, you like Japanese language and you want to learn it, right? So that's your identifying that. That's the one thing. And then learning it is a completely different story. So rewiring can be done through meditations or daily affirmations, conscious view on the reactions and situations. Basically, your new goal is to gain the power to produce the real change in your life. When an emotion starts overpowering you, give yourself time to calm down, even if that means stepping away from a situation. The practice of your safe space helps me a lot. It brings the body to neutral position emotionally in terms of and in terms of body reactions, and then my mind is calm and I can actually think again. Because emotion isn't doing a very good job of getting your mind fogged, let's say, and paralyzed. And then you're just irrational. You can think because they're just hijacked your brain, literally. The practice of safe space um, might give it to you as a separate audio for you to keep. But this practice was introduced to me by my therapist. And to be honest, it's quite simple but um, it's very, it, yeah, it's doing the job. So all you need to do is just to get a piece of paper, imagine your safe space and put it on the paper. So let's say for me, it's the seaside, it's the beach. So mine was just the beach, a couple of trees or whatever, the sea, the sun, a couple of birds. And then just imagine it, kind of meditating, imagining the safe space. Like I was so specific in mine. I was sitting on the on the beach and I clearly saw what I was wearing, what kind of what color sand it is, what it feels like to touch it, how warm the sunshine is, what I can feel in my skin, who's around me, if there's no one, they're miles away, somewhere else, how many birds I can see, I can hear. So all that. And um I was tapping on my shoulders with my arms crossed very slowly, and I was just being there in my safe space and I was saying safe space and I was saying seaside so that's my safe space word seaside and then by practicing it a couple of times meditating on it if I feel if I feel you know anxious or I feel worried or I feel 
erratic in terms of my emotions or even scared all I have to do is just to tap my shoulders I had to do it in the beginning and you know imagine the seaside and in a couple of seconds I just feel so balanced and then eventually it came from tapping to just imagining seaside and now if I just say seaside and I just kind of like bring myself quickly to that beach I feel relaxed because that's how you make your body to relax. Let's say if your thing is to retell the story, like mine, next time you feel an urge to call a friend or tell them all about it, stop, distract yourself and do something different. Or if you sat down to watch a horror movie again to feel that emotion of thrill, probably understand why do you need this emotion? Why do you want to feel this way right now? What benefits you from this? There must be something about it that you just need, but why? Do you want to feel scared or to feel nervous because that gives you something, that gives you some comfort? I'm Obviously, I'm talking about exact situations when you know this certain action will trigger your hit emotion. If you just like horror movies for the sake of hobbies, that's absolutely fine, you know. Choose to watch something else that might make you happy or at least not change your emotional state as much and see and just observe, just see how it goes. You should expect resistance when you rewire your brain. The brain is neuroplastic and that means it can create new pathways based on a conscious behavior at any time during life. But please be realistic and understand that it takes a lot of work. The mind always favors familiarity and will protest a lot when you try to change your connectivity in terms of neurons. So Build small blocks at the time and recognize small wins. If you do too much at once, the brain will just become fatigued very quickly and basically will just say, no, block everything. I am not, I'm not changing. I'm not doing anything. Um, Subconscious reprogramming will only work when the brain is in relaxed state. So that's why lots of stuff is done in a state of meditation, hypnosis, these kind of things. The most important time to program your subconscious mind is the moment when you wake up in the morning and the time before you go to sleep. So just as soon as you woke up, if you want to make it super beneficial, if you have an opportunity, let's say I'm a mom, I wake up when my toddler wakes up. So when he's up, he's just 100 miles an hour. He doesn't want to sit down. He doesn't want to do anything. So I have to get up. I just physically don't have that opportunity to meditate. But before bed, I could do that. But if you do have a chance to do it in the morning, do it. Let's say you just woke up, do some affirmations, do some meditations, do some work on that and you'll see the results. When you feel overwhelmed, take a break. Slowly over time, the brain will get used to new activities. It does take time, but it does happen. Be kind yourself and patient. Most people develop emotional addictions after decades and it's so unconscious that you probably had it since you were three or five or ten, whatever age. So it's unrealistic to expect instant change. Dedicate yourself to the process, but take breaks will need it. Reprogramming how your brain responds to circumstances and certain situations takes time. And it's a good thing to just understand it and accept it. Social media are unfortunately contributing on the negative side of emotional addiction and overall as much as there are good things about it, spreading useful information, knowledge, connecting with people, keeping in touch with them, growing business, 
marketing, PR, whatever, there's always way too much about it too. And for some people, it becomes a compulsion. Uh, some researchers show that it's easier for people to resist cigarettes and alcohol than to keep them logging onto social media. And um, according to the Statistic Brain Research Institute, half of adults aged 18 to 34 check their Facebook as soon as they wake up. I cut the habit of checking Instagram and social media off some time ago, and now I switch to building up another habit, not touching my phone until I finish my breakfast. I must say it's hard. Some part of it is this addictive, positive need of getting messages from people, friends and family. I, I talk to a lot of people every day. I fully enjoy it. Uh, but some part of it is just a habit and probably boredom. I'm not ready to wake up yet. I don't want to l- just lay there thinking of nothing or the opposite thinking too much like I don't want to or I just don't want to fall back asleep so I grab a phone no social media but messages I do check my messages and I do start chatting pretty much instantly there is some friends chat from the local group there's some work chats there's some uh, messages from family oh this friend messaged oh that friend sent me the video and I'm trying to switch off from that and but I must say it is hard and I do give myself a slack saying okay you know what I normally have my breakfast hour, a couple of hours after I wake up. Um, but I do have this tendency of having control over my day, knowing what's going to happen in the next couple of hours. So I'll like checking messages, seeing that nothing changed, everything goes according, according to plan. Boom, boom, boom. But at least now my tiny first step is to wake up, not touch my phone, and I can get to it when I get up from the bed. Which takes like half hour. So I wake up, I chat with my son, we might read a book, we might have a cuddle, sing a song or just chill there together and then we get up. So I try to do that instead now. And I think these tiny steps also help. So instead of building the huge foundation at once, you just, again, building, you know, with small bricks, small blocks and that then eventually will bring me back to my goal and probably in a couple of weeks or months hopefully not years, (laughs) I'll be able to not grab my phone for the first first couple of hours of the day. And obviously we cannot say that social media isn't a part of our lives. It is. It has become one of them. And it's not a bad thing to feel connected and being a part of something larger than ourselves. And also social media often provides support that many people do find very useful. And it helps, you know, to keep connection with people. There are so many friends that I have. In fact, most of my really good good friends and best friends are somewhere else. I, obviously, I have uh, people living even nearby, and yet I don't see them that often, but I text them much more often, or we have a chat or conversation on the phone call or via audio messages much more often than actual personal meeting because everyone's busy. And a lot of times, the reason why people go to Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter, or Threads now, um, any other social media, over and over again, is because it maintains this emotional roller coaster and it keeps their brain happy. Um, I think same goes for video gaming when it's excessive. One good thing to do is to indicate this addictiveness um, when it happens when you have an urge to follow a need to feel certain emotion and what if you do something different 
try to think of what if I don't do this now, but I'll go and play football or wash the dishes or read a book or do the next exercise, uh, meditate, whatever, whatever it is. Just don't do what you're addicted to and see how you react. Does it make you feel upset, angry, annoyed, unsettled? Well, then, (laughs) my friend, it's a great sign that you might will have to do something else to get yourself away from that pattern of pleasing your brain with this activity. Imagine spoiled kid that wants pizza and chocolate cake for dinner. He'll he'll kick off if you tell him from now on it's just good meat, good carbs and vegetables. Boom. But eventually they'll change eating habits and patterns. And and at some point in the future, they might be like, oh, mama, I just want cucumber instead of that chocolate. I think a lot comes down to discipline too. Some things you can change not being disciplined enough. And if you really want to improve your emotional state and get rid of emotional addictions or some habits or some reactions that are harmful and not really nice, that don't contribute to your well-being, then you need to be disciplined to do the work, to observe the emotions, to be vigilant, to make changes and stick to it for a while. Maybe if it's deadly slow, but still stick to it until your actions are more automatic, but in a new way that does lead to positive outcome that does make your life better. That's what we're here for. Like I keep thinking of this thing over and over again that we are here living one life. And what's the point of living this life in a miserable way? What's the point of being negative and, and grumpy and just not happy? So... Let's bring this awareness to make ourselves happier and to make happiness our choice. Watch the previous episodes. (laughs) I hope you enjoyed the podcast and thanks so much for joining. I'm going to see you on the next one next week. Same place, probably different day. Yours truly, Anastasia and the Mindfulness Broadcast. Have a beautiful rest of the day and the week, guys. I'll see you soon. Bye.